Hello and welcome to another episode of What Gets Captured on Film. I am your host, Dylan Paulson, and if you're new here, this is a movie news show where each week I'll give you the biggest headlines in the movie industry in one convenient place and give you my thoughts and opinions about those headlines as well. And I'll also get into whatever type of movie I'll be watching, or show even, during the week and give you my thoughts on that as well. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's news. I'm going to cover everything from February 16th through February 22nd. Please uh, write into the show if you disagree with me, if you want to chat with me, if you want me to cover a certain subject that I'm not covering all types of inquiries are welcome or read your inquiry live on the show. It's free. Please email me at whatgetscaptured at gmail.com and we can have some sort of conversation. And lastly, before I get into the news, the podcast goes live Wednesdays at 9 a.m. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and at, at YouTube at noon. So look out for me. What gets captured on film? Please share the show if you like it. And uh, let's get into the news. So, as we always do, let's talk about the box office results from the past weekend. I like to end every show with the movies that are coming to theaters. And I like to begin every show with what, how the, how the theaters are doing this week. So, this past weekend, uh, the weekend of February 18th, we have Uncharted at number one. I don't think that was going to surprise anyone. Uncharted number one with domestic gross of $43.8 million. Huge opening. It's great for that movie. Really, really great. They Video game movies needed a hit. Um, I think Sony Pictures needed a hit, and and they got it. They invested so much in marketing. Obviously, Mar- or, uh, not Mark Wahlberg, but uh, Tom, Tom Holland is uh, top of the world right now, hot off Spider-Man. So he, um, he definitely put a lot of butts in, in the seats, so... Good for that movie for doing well. I wish that it was a little better. He did a little better. Critically, it might have put my butt in the seat, but um, there's some talk about... I saw Ruben Fleischer maybe uh, has hopes for a sequel, who's the director of the movie, so maybe that'll wind up happening too. So that's that. Number two this weekend was Dog, that uh, Channing Tatum directed and starring movie about him and a, a war dog or something. I don't know. That... That movie was marketed everywhere, too. $14.8 million domestically. Number three, Spider-Man No Way Home, still up there with $7.1 million domestically. Kind of interesting that Tom Holland has two movies in the top three for this past weekend. Doesn't happen too often, but it'll it'll happen. Number four, Death on the Nile, uh, $6.5 million. And number five, Jack is Forever, holding on with $5.2 million from this past weekend. Very interesting. Again, not a huge weekend. I mean, Uncharted was is big, no doubt, but um, not a huge weekend. We're mid February. We're we're uh, the next huge movie. I think is probably going to be the Batman, and then um, and then we're in the summer season of of movie going. So, so we're in a little bit of a lull. But Uncharted definitely took advantage of that, and they stole the weekend, no doubt. So. Uh, let's get into the streaming service top 10 from Nielsen. So this is for the week of January 17th through January 23rd. And uh, I'll just read them down. Number one, Disney's Encanto. Encanto, Encanto. Number two, Amazon uh, Prime Hotel Transylvania Transfermania. Number three, Disney's Eternals. Disney and Marvel's Eternals. Number four, Netflix Brazen. 
Number five, Netflix, The Royal Treatment. Number six from Netflix, Don't Look Up. Number seven from Disney Plus, Moana. Number eight from Netflix, After We Fell. Number nine from Netflix, Riverdance, The Animated Adventure. Number 10 from Netflix, Under Suspicion. And again, just remind you, Netflix, or sorry, Nielsen rates the these movies in the order of the number of minutes watched in, in that week. So that number one, uh, Disney's Encanto, 1.5 billion minutes watched in that week. And then number two, um, huge drop off uh, Hotel Transylvania 3 or 4 maybe, uh, 595 million. So dropped a, a billion minutes from number one from to number two. So kids are, kids' families are loving Encanto right now. And it, and it totally, um, it's just totally crazy. I never suspected that that many people would watch a Disney movie or uh, or own Disney Plus. Sorry, um, but it it's also a little deceiving because it's not counting subscribers of the streaming service. It's counting how many minutes someone watched. So like, there are kid. When I was a kid, I I know I would do this. I would you know wear out the VHS tape for how how many times I would watch a movie like The Goonies or The Big Green or something. So. Um, so kids now who have access to the Disney Plus are probably just putting this movie on almost every night or something. So I, it it's just crazy how much runtime or uh, playtime that movie gets. Airtime, if you will, in the household. It's crazy. All right. So let's get into the news. Some small news stories first. So Apple announced this week that the original film Coda, uh, which is up for a few Academy Awards, and I have a review of it from a few weeks ago. You can check it out. Um they're putting that movie in theaters for free. Um, you could, I would Google it. I don't have a link here or a website to, to get you there. But um, I checked some local theaters around me. There was one in Philly. There's one um, in Jersey. There's one in PA suburbs. It's there. Um, there's a lot around me that. So so hopefully you can find a theater near you if you're interested in the movie and don't have Apple TV. Definitely go see the movie. It's great. I think it'd be great in the theaters. It really is. It's a it's a great family movie. Bring a significant other. Bring bring your whole family. It's it's a really great, heartwarming, lovely movie. Um, okay, next thing here is that uh, Daniel Radcliffe. The, this is an interesting little thing that I followed. Originally, Daniel Radcliffe was spotted, uh, like some sort of press, like TMZ style photo, spotted him on the set of um, Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, he was wearing the typical Hawaiian shirt that Al Yankovic would wear throughout the 80s and 90s. And he had, you know, the short, curly hair. And it looked so bizarre. Um, it, it was very off-putting um, to, to see Daniel Radcliffe like that. No makeup, just the costume. So, so funny. It, it just looked so off-putting um, and so weird and out of place. It was strange. Um, and then today, this afternoon, The Hollywood Reporter, um, I, well, I don't know if it's exclusive to The Hollywood Reporter, but um, there there was released a first look of Daniel Radcliffe, uh, like an official first look Daniel Radcliffe um, as Weird Al. And he's sporting the Hawaiian shirt, the huge round glasses and the, the accordion, and he's in some kind of red mood light kind of on stage. Uh, big bushy mustache. Uh, it looks good in 
in the, the style of the scene. Um, but man, that first photo that came out like a few days ago was so off-putting and strange. But you know what? To be honest, either way, I, I was thinking about it. The more I think about Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al, the more I think he's just going to absolutely murder it and just be so good. And I think this movie is going to be amazing. I really don't get hyped up or excited for movies at all, but I think that, I mean, it, this, I got really excited for Kimmy, which was kind of a letdown, um, the HBO Steven Soderbergh movie that just came out recently. recently. I'm super excited for Daniel's um, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, really looking forward to that, and and this movie, the Daniel Radcliffe weird Al Yankovic story, because it's written by, I, I'm a fan of Daniel Radcliffe, um, no doubt, <laughs> you know, I love Harry Potter. I think he's great in um, How to Succeed in Business, uh, the the Broadway show. I, I love that soundtrack. He's great. His um, American accent is superb. His singing voice is lovely. I think he could really do a good job here. I don't know if they're going to, I don't know what they're going to do here for the, for the voice of Weird Al. You know, to me, growing up with him, he has such an iconic voice, but Daniel Radcliffe can sing. I just don't know if he can do such a spot-on impression of Weird Al because it's so iconic, but they could do like a walk the line type thing where they do like a little bit of their own interpretation, but Joaquin Phoenix is just so close to Johnny Cash that it almost was an impression rather than, rather than an interpretation, but it was just so accurate of an impression that it didn't it didn't even matter anyway. So I'm, I'm just intrigued to see what, what that's going to be like. It's filming. It's probably not a huge budget movie. It's being developed by Roku Channel. It'll be exclusive on Roku. Um, so I doubt it's a huge budget movie. So we'll probably see this movie by the end of the year, I imagine. it's. I think it'll come incredibly quickly. Okay, and the next thing, um, this also came out this afternoon, was... Um, Oppenheimer gets a first look with Killian Murphy as uh, as the the titular character, uh, something Oppenheimer. I don't know. I'm, I was following this movie, but then uh, honestly, I, I stopped really caring that much. I I can't I can't fake care about a movie. I'm interested. I'm intrigued because it's Christopher Nolan. He's a big name, no doubt. But I can't fake care about something. You just heard me gush about Weird Al Yankovic. I'm gonna. I'm going to express my love for the things that I love. I'm not going to fake anything. So, I mean, it's intriguing. It looks cool. It's it's a picture of Killian Murphy. Uh, he's, he's really thin. He's black and white, and he's in a suit, and he has a cigarette in his mouth. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Okay, so what have I been watching this week? Um, I watched, I'm very happy to say, I watched Last Night in Soho. I wasn't able to watch it in theaters. I had gotten in a car accident at the time and couldn't financially get myself to spend the money <laughs> to to see a movie in theaters. There was a long time, like a three, four month period when I wasn't spending a lot of money. So a lot of movies got put in the back burner. But I was very happy to buy the Blu-ray last night in Soho um, and I watched it at home. I tried to recreate the theater experience as best I could, but obviously it just can't be done. This movie's written by uh, Christy Wilson Cairns, a story by her and Edgar Wright, directed by Edgar Wright. Um, Edgar Wright is calling this a, quote, an Edgar Wright film, even though he didn't write the screenplay for it, um, which is intriguing, but it clearly is 
an Edgar Wright stylized picture. Um, it, you just got to really, really know his style of dialogue to know that, or, or to recognize that things are just a little tweaked to um, not be as quippy. He he likes his qu- quippy comedic lines, and this definitely isn't that. I mean, there's very little to no comedy in here at all, although there are a few lighthearted moments that I did wind up chuckling at. Just, to, you know, th- there's some levity, no doubt, but... Um, the art direction is impeccable. It's beautiful. Um, production design, same thing. The movie is just gorgeous to look at. I'm, I'm happy I have the Blu-ray. It looks great in high def. 4K looks lovely. It looks lovely. Looks beautiful. Costumes are amazing. Production is of the highest quality. And, um... Edgar Wright is known for interesting scene transitions and never having wasted a moment, um, never wasting any aspect of a film to, to, to show that even something as minimal as a, or even something as small and, and, um, in, in inconsequential, inconsequential, excuse me, as a scene transition can be a joke or can be a, a a interesting line of dialogue or a match cut that that invokes humor or something that type of um that type of mindset is certainly here where nothing is ever wasted but it's not in that it's not to that um his mind isn't pointed in that direction of scene transitions and humor and match cuts it's more pointed in the in the direction of color and and thematic vibe and attitude and um things of that nature it's very visual in a similar sense that other his other movies would be but it's not uh, it's the editing isn't as fast paced i guess is what i'll say it so it feels like an edgar wright movie but in a different way it just feels like his mind is pointed in a different direction, but it still is very definitively Edgar Wright. You can tell. I mean, if you know Edgar Wright and you're familiar with his directing, you can tell. If you don't know Edgar Wright and you don't care, you're just going to think, wow, this movie's really pretty. And and it is. It's really pretty. Definitely. Um, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I'm reading my notes here. Um, it's... This movie was kind of marketed to me. I'm going to spoil a little bit of it. If you really, really care and you want to go in blind, like 100% blind, which I think you should if you haven't seen it, then um, just skip ahead probably 10 minutes or so. Um, I'm going to... I feel the need to spoil this. Um, But if you've seen it, then please hang around because I think my criticism is really valid here. But this movie was marketed as... Um, and I talk about marketing a lot on the show. Marketing of a movie is really important. It sets the the cadence for how uh, an audience member is going to watch the movie. It sets their expectations for what they go in seeing. I was expecting a horror movie. There are horror elements, but overall I think it's a thriller. And it's a slow burn thriller for the first half. And I think the second half then picks up some more horror elements. But it's still, I would call it a thriller. It feels thrilling to watch. I was never overtly scared like I was when I watch 
something else. I don't know. I don't watch too many horror movies because not a lot of them are good. But yeah, that's that. Um, the movie is written around and based around the or one element of the what I will call the quote unquote female struggle, the male gaze as it were, that you might have learned in high school. Um, I know I did. I was thinking about it the whole time. Um, And it's really interesting because I haven't seen a lot of fiction that take this on so head-on. It's so in-your-face with male gaze themes and with um, the story. I mean, that's what it's about. It's a, that's what the movie is about. It's about the female struggle in a major metropolitan city. It's, it, it is very in your face. And so for that reason, I thought it was incredibly unique. The, the biggest, the biggest criticism I have is how the movie ends. And this is where I'm really going to spoil it. And it's, I'm only going to spoil it for a, for a minute or two, but the the female struggle storyline is so interesting and unique that at the end it kind of takes a step back and says and says you know what the conclusion of this female struggle is actually it, the it lessens the impact of the female struggle how how the movie ends who the villain actually is it 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 almost sets itself up to say something really powerful and then misses the opportunity. When I think of Get Out and I think of the that movie is all about the black struggle, the villains are the white people the whole time, the whole way through, to the point where at the end of that movie, spoilers for Get Out, you got to watch that movie. At the end of that movie, when... Um, the main character is, you know, just murdered this, this girl, um, that was trying to, that was trying to kill him, you know, obviously. And it's, and you think like, oh man, he's finally out of the woods. And then the red light, red light, blue light show up flashing, you know, hear the police. And even as a, as a white man watching that movie, my heart sank and I was, it was just, oh shit this guy's out, you know, this is, this is the end. He, this is a failure. And then, you know, the camera pans and turns around and it's Lil Ray and you know, the day is saved and it, there's a huge comedic moment and it, and the levity is great. That's, but the, but the white people are the villains the whole time to the point where you fear the police and you, that is the empathetic relationship that is possible in fiction and last night in Soho sets itself up to do that with females, with men and women. I was empathizing with women in a way that I didn't, with female characters, I should say, in a way that I didn't think that I was able to. But the movie ends and kind of ruins it with with how how the the logistics of how it ends. Um, and that is my biggest criticism. But at the same time, I also need to think and say, well, it got me to think a certain way. It got me to, to, you know, look at the world in a little bit of a different way. And and from that, 
you know, point of view, it is a success. And the script needed to have some sort of twist at the end and whatever. It just lessens the impact of what the movie sets itself up to do. Um, but a lot of times that's horror movies. You know, horror movies typically have bad endings. I think of Rosemary's Baby. It has it, The ending is so dull compared to how the rest of the movie is just building up all this tension, tension, tension. So um, it, it's just hard to end a horror movie. But I, I think Get Out did it wonderfully. And I think this movie had a running shot at being a, a the next get out not in a horror movie sense but in a thriller sense because it's thrilling it's not horrific like get out is that movie is horrifying but yeah so that's um that's my biggest criticism i'll say blah 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 um regardless of that it kept me thinking it kept me on my toes i was intrigued the entire time the writing is very good except for the end. Um, it's paced incredibly well, which is another um, Edgar Wright, you know, motif. He he paces his movies incredibly well. Um, so much Evil Dead is in this movie. There is so much heart of Evil Dead just all over this movie, especially in the second half where, where things really start to ramp up. It, it, it's just like Edgar Wright must, he must have, I mean, I saw an Evil Dead um, documentary a few years ago, and Edgar Wright was like a speaker on the movie, sp- speaking of how highly he adored Evil Dead. So, and I didn't even remember that until just now. So, he must have been overtly putting Evil Dead references in here. They're all over the place. As soon as I don't want to spoil that part, but as soon as things start to ramp up, it's Evil Dead is all over the place, and it is. I'll say that is technically, from the technical aspects, you know, writing, directing, acting, producing, art direction, you know, things that are controllable and, and technically able to measure. It's it's almost perfect. But the end is just so antithetical to what the theme of the movie is that it lessens its impact, which is such a shame. It's not that it makes it a bad movie because it's so good. It's just a, it just has a bad ending. So you leave the movie with a bad taste in your mouth. It's, it's a shame because the movie is so good, so intriguing, kept, keep, kept my attention the entire time. And it, it's just a shame. I, I was, I was pretty disappointed. Um, Edgar Wright, you know, it's just a shame. But otherwise, the movie is incredibly good. I, like I said, nearly perfect. One of my favorite movies of the year, um, no doubt. And if you haven't seen it, you definitely should. I just spoiled the shit out of it, but I think you definitely should see it. And I've, you'll enjoy it if you like horror movies. It, it's it's great. It made me think about the whole world in a different way. It's it's that I mean that's the power of movies. You know that's power of fiction. It's it's great. It's 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 great fiction. Really high quality. All right, so. Now that I've said my piece about that, let's get into the news. Biggest news stories of the week, starting now. Number one, Adam Sandler's upcoming basketball film, Hustle, released its first full-length trailer this week via Netflix's official YouTube page. We previously had seen bits and pieces of this film from Netflix's upcoming projects teaser from a few weeks ago. 
This new trailer shows the intensity and drama the film will attempt to portray. The film is about, quote, After discovering a once-in-a-lifetime player with a rocky past abroad, a down-on-his-luck basketball scout takes it upon himself to bring the, the phenom, phenom to the States without his team's approval. Against the odds, they have one final shot to prove they have what it takes to make it in the NBA, end quote. Hustle has been long in development, filming almost entirely in and around Philadelphia and having a large production plagued by COVID delays, restrictions, and constant testing. The movie will finally release on Netflix on June 10th, 2022. Hustle is Will Fetter's uh, Hustle is oh, probably directed by Will Fetter or written by Will Fetters and Taylor Matern. Fetters received uh, recent attention for writing a 28, the 2018 A Star is Born remake, and Matern is known for writing the story mode of a few of the NBA 2K basketball video games. The film is directed by Jeremiah Zagar, known for directing 2018's indie drama We the Animals. This will be Zagar's first foray into making a studio picture, as well as having a large production literally plagued by COVID. The quality of this film is up in the air, but regardless, the trailer looks pretty cool. So I'll see you in June. And that is pretty much all I can say. I'm not going to watch a trailer because um, I watched it uh, earlier in the week. I was intrigued. Uh, I know that it takes place around Philly. I've I've seen the open casting calls for a lot of stuff. Pretty tough to get in, though, I'll say. I threw my hat in the ring a, a dozen and a half times, but I uh, just couldn't get on set. But uh, yeah, it filmed forever. It took forever to film this movie, it seems. it It was in Philly, I think in um, uh, the fall of 2020. Yeah, that sounds about right. The fall of... Yeah, the fall of 2020. And then they stopped for the summer. And then I think they came back in the fall of 2021. And then I think they wrapped uh, recently. Uh, probably in December. Yeah, the holiday of 2021. I think they wrapped. And then... Um, and yeah, so this is the first where we're really seeing like a good bit about the movie and it seems seems cool, high energy. But I mean, like I said in the write-up, uh, this is uh, Jeremiah Zagar. I mean, he did an indie drama, We the Animals, and now he has this Netflix movie that's probably, you know, $80 million production budget Netflix movie that has all sorts of restrictions around it, constant COVID testing, even extras. This is what the casting company said. Extras had to get tested two weeks ahead of time. And then they stayed in a hotel for two weeks before the casting call. And then they were on set for however many days and then they went home. It's it, There were so, so many moving pieces to this. I just struggle to think that this movie is going to be anything other than mediocre. I just can't, I can't see it. Especially when it's filmed over the course of two years. Just, I just don't see it, to be honest. But, like I said, also said in the write-up, trailer looks cool. I mean, looks good, high-energy stuff. And, I mean, it's on Netflix in June, so I'll definitely check it out. I love, I I like Adam Sandler, and I love that it takes place in Philly. I think it's super unique. And um, I, I probably know some people in it, so even more reason to check it out. So that's all I'll say about that. I'm not, um, I don't think it'll be that good to be honest, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? Number two, self-proclaimed visionary filmmaker Baz Luhrmann is back in the forefront with another highly anticipated anticipated film, 
Elvis released its first trailer this week via Warner Brothers Pictures' official YouTube channel. The synopsis is as follows. Quote, the film explores the life and music of Elvis Presley, seen through the prism of his complicated relationship with his enigmatic manager, Colonel Tom Parks. The story delves into the complex dynamic between Presley and Parker spanning over 20 years from Presley's rise to rise to fame to his unprecedented stardom against the backdrop of the evolving cultural, cultural landscape and loss of innocence in America. Central to that journey is one of the most significant influential people in Elvis's life, Priscilla Presley. End quote. Baz Luhrmann is known for directing 1996's Romeo plus Juliet, 2001's Moulin Rouge, and more recently 2013's The Great Gatsby. He is known for his intense visual style, but his movies can be divisive as final products. Luhrmann is writing the film alongside Sam Brommel, known for The Get Down Netflix show, Craig Pierce, an unusual, uh, a usual screenwriting collaborator for Luhrmann, and Jeremy Doner, known for the Netflix, Netflix's show The Killing. Elvis stars Austin Butler in the titular role, Tom Hanks as Presley's longtime manager, and Cody Smith-McPhee, Olivia DeJonge, uh, Dacre Montgomery, and David Wenham in supporting roles. Look forward to seeing this film in theaters on June 24th, 2022. I am going to watch the trailer for this one. I specifically avoided it so I could get my live reactions on the show. I am I am very divisive about um, Baz Luhrmann. I never know what to think of him. And his movies are always all over the place in, in terms of quality and, and, but, but certainly they're unique. So this will be a very interesting movie. And I think that his style could, could, uh, bode itself well to an Elvis film. So, um, I am going to pause and watch the trailer and be right back to give you my impressions. So even though that trailer was very good, I still am not really that excited to see the movie. And here's why. Um, Baz Luhrmann is going for the same type of musical style that he went for with The Great Gatsby, um, where he's not going for a, um, you know, time period piece music. He's going to incorporate the music that we have today, electronic-based, synth-based, uh, it seems like electronica dance music, uh, according to the trailer. So that really turns me off. I would rather just have a straight biopic of Elvis with all of his original music, because I think it can stand on its own. I don't think it needs updating. Um, and But at the same time, you know, given that, I think a impressive visual style from Baz Luhrmann and high production value, you know, attention to production design like Baz Luhrmann always does would be very welcome. And it seems like this movie is having that, but it's also having this extra piece that I don't like, this extra, um, you know, interpretive music style. And I'm really not looking forward to that. So that's all I can really say about that. But, um, the you know... Like I say, with literally every trailer I say, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, Tom Hanks is so weird in this role. I don't, he's just like, an, he's, I don't know. I didn't really understand the conflict. It just seemed like it was a biopic about Elvis struggling to adapt. It, I, I didn't really understand the conflict. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> It'll hit or it won't, so... You know, we'll see. 
Number three. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Bill Murray and Aziz Ansari are teaming up for, for an untitled film for Searchlight Pictures. Murray will star while Ansari will make his feature directorial debut as well as as well as act as writer, producer, and co-star. Ansari is known for his iconic role as Tom Haverford in the long-running NBC comedy Parks and Recreation and helming the short-lived, highly lauded Netflix comedy drama Master of None. Bill Murray is a Hollywood comic comedic heavyweight, gaining stardom with Caddyshack and SNL in the late 70s and starring in iconic comedies such as Stripes, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, Scrooge, and so many others throughout the 80s and 90s. Lately, he is a frequent collaborator of visual writer-director Wes Anderson, having appeared mo- most recently in The French Dispatch. We'll continue to update on this picture as the story unfolds. So that's it. I just wanted to bring to everyone's, everyone's attention that Aziz Ansari is coming back as a star. Uh, we have no idea what this movie is going to be about or um, you know, or its tone, but it has Bill Murray and Aziz Ansari. I think it's going to be a comedy. I think it'll be some sort of comedy drama. I'm happy that Bill Murray is attached. It shows that, you know, someone has some faith in the movie and the project. Aziz Ansari is going to write and direct and produce and co-star. I'm very happy about that. I'll watch anything that he does. I think he's, um, I think he's great. (laughs) I truly do. So I'm really, 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 really looking forward to that, but it is definitely a long ways out. Probably won't see anything this year, but we might get some some new news nuggets about what's going to happen. So I'll um, update as that comes out. So let's get into the wrap-up. bunch of small news items uh, that I didn't really want to talk about. Deadline reports that Kate McKinnon might join the cast of Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie film. That's just a rumor. The Hollywood Reporter reports that John Cena is set to headline... It's set to headline the Coyote vs. Acme film for Warner Brothers. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Dylan Arnold, Oli uh, Huskivi, Alden Einerich, and David Krumholtz have joined the cast of Christopher Nolan's next film, Oppenheimer, while Deadline reports that Matthew Modine will also join the cast. Universal announced via a press release that Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, and Will Forte will star in an upcoming dog-focused comedy set for theaters in the summer of 2023. It sounds horrible, to be honest. But I like Will Forte. Sony Pictures announced a few a few release date changes. Uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody will now open on December 21st, 2022. Sam Raimi and Adam Driver's 65 will now open April 14th, 2023. Uma comes to or moves to March 18th, 2022. And Jack Black comedy Oh Hell No has been taken off the release schedule. Illumination and Universal announced release dates for animated films Migration and Despicable Me with with June 30th, 2023 and July 23rd, 2024 release dates, respectively. Despicable, or sorry, (laughs) Deadline reports that MGM has required the rights to 2019 German film System Crasher. Channing Tatum is set to star in the adaptation. Uh, Deadline reports there are rumors of an adaptation of Richard McGuire's graphic novel Here, starring Tom Hanks, directed by Robert Zemeckis and adapted by Eric Roth. It would be a huge lineup if that's true. A24 has announced an upcoming hard R musical title musical titled Fucking Identical Twins starring Megan Thee Stallion, Nathan Lane, Megan Mullally, and Bowen Yang with Borat director Larry Charles directing. That sounds awesome. Deadline reports that Stephanie Beatrice and Paul Wesley will star in Horror History of Evil. Deadline reports that Kush uh, Kush Jumbo... Manny Jacinto and James Badgedale star in upcoming fencing thriller Balestra. Deadline reports that Tahar Rahim joins Joaquin Phoenix in Apple and Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Rupert Grint and Nikki Amuka Bird join Dave Bautista in M. Night Shyamalan's upcoming Knock at the Cabin. 
Deadline reports that Simu Liu joins the cast of upcoming thriller Hello Stranger. Deadline reports that Yogi Berra documentary It Ain't Over wraps production. Deadline reports that Sharon Stone will produce and star an adaptation of Lisa Barr novel. Deadline reports that William McGregor will direct a vampire film with the working title Smile for ne- Smile for Netflix. Deadline reports that Fred Hetchinger will play Chameleon in upcoming Sony Marvel film Craven the Hunter. And that is all the news. And usually this is the part of the show where I read what's coming to theaters this week, but I am to be as nothing lifted as coming to theaters this week. So where that leaves me is um, at the end of the show. So that's pretty much all I have for you. Um, I appreciate, uh, sorry for a little bit of a short show this week, but um, usually I have a, a few more things to keep me talking, but it was a slow news week. Not much to talk about. I don't think the show needs to be any longer than it needs to be. So this is how long it needs to be. So thank you very much for listening. Again, show goes live Wednesdays, 9 a.m. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube at noon or whatever the spiel is that I normally say. Please write into the show, what gets captured at gmail.com. I would love some audience participation. If you're out there and you can hear me, please write into the show. Uh, my name is Dylan Paulson. That is what gets captured on film. Have a good week.